0: Freedom House, Central Campus. You guys doing great today? It's so good to be here with you. I love you guys. I love being here at Central Campus. It's kind of my home. And you guys have the best campus pastors. Can you give it up for your campus pastors? Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie, they're incredible. And if you don't know me, my name's Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. And that's right, if you're new, we have a teaching team. We have a a live communicator, a pastor bringing God's word at each one of our campuses every service, every weekend. Which is a huge part of our senior pastor's vision not to build our church on one person or just a big personality but to build it on the vision that God has given us as a church. And we do that as a team. So can we give some honor to our senior pastors? Would you give them a hand clap? They don't ask us to do that, but I love to honor them. Because of that vision, I get to be up here and and do what I get to do. And our church is now 21 years old, so I guess we're legal age to drink now as a church. um, Let's make sure we're getting drunk on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Before we jump in, I do want to greet our online campus. Um, We have people joining us from all around the world, and today is no different. Um, We have uh, people tuning in right now from Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Virginia, North Carolina, Ohio, West Virginia, New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. Will you guys give them a big hand today? Thank you so much for joining us. And we are starting a new series called Back to Basics. This is going to be a family series. It's going to be um, teaching us how to build our families, kind of get back to the fundamentals of having a healthy, strong family for God. I think it's so important, and if you've noticed this year, um, we've kind of had this theme. I don't know if you've got, you guys have picked up on it, but there's been this theme in our message series Um, all kind of related to our foundations, kind of fundamental things, getting back to basics, building a, a spiritual foundation. Have you guys noticed that this year? And I don't think that's by accident. I believe the Holy Spirit, he knows what he's doing and he's wanting to teach us as a church. He's wanting to build in us a strength, a foundation for what's coming ahead. I believe God wants to do some things, some mighty things through us as a church in the coming year. We got election year coming up next year. Everybody say, uh, Right? Like, we're excited for that. Amen? But you know what? The world gets crazier. The darkness gets darker. But, you know, in the darkness, the the light just shines brighter. Amen? And I believe we're going to shine as a church. We're going to help a lot of people. Um, And in order to do that, we've got to have a firm foundation. And so this is going to be a great series. Um, Encourage you to take some some notes today. Go ahead and get your your, uh, note app out or your notebook. Um, we're going to cover some things today. And What I'm going to be talking about specifically today is biblical masculinity. Biblical masculinity. How to be a masculine, a manly man. Can I get an amen? amen. You ladies want some manly men? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it. The title of the message today is stereotype or prototype. Stereotype prototype. And if I'm going to talk about men, you know, I got to hit you one last time this coming Friday. What we got going on guys? Strong, strong one night. Make sure you're there. I like the way pastor Sam said it at Lake Norman last week. He said, you either have a ticket and you're a man, you're showing up or you are a detriment to society. Those are your choices. I was like, that's good. I like that. I'm going to steal that. So those are your choices. So We're going to talk about it today, prototype versus stereotype. Are we caught up in the stereotypical image of a man, of what a man is, or are we pursuing the prototype that God gave us for manliness, for masculinity, Jesus Christ? God sent us, God shows us the prototype for what it means to be a masculine, a godly, a mature man of God in Jesus Christ. And so we need to focus on the prototype, not the stereotype. Culture today is attacking manhood. Can I get an amen? amen? They're attacking it. Culture today is attacking what I believe is kind of a straw man, a parody of masculinity that really doesn't even exist. We hear terms like toxic masculinity. Anybody heard that one? Yeah? Uh, <laughs> give me a break. Terms like patriarchy. I think most of the people would say they don't know what it means. Right, And there's no consensus on what these terms are really all about. The world is fixated on killing the cancer of what they view as traditional masculinity. But they're killing the patient instead. Imagine you, you have a, a broken leg and you go to the doctor, maybe just a, a sprained ankle, and you walk into the doctor and the doctor says, oh, nurse, come here, look at that, yeah, ankle's swollen a little bit, let's take the leg. You would run for your life. You would run screaming like, you're not going to take my leg. You're not going to amputate my leg because I twisted my ankle. And in the same way, we have problems in our country with, with masculinity. Men have issues to face, but we don't diminish the role of men and fathers. That's not the answer, amen? There's an epidemic of fatherlessness, and so what does our culture do? We demean fathers, we take the respect out of the role of being a father. Have you ever noticed that on every sitcom, dad is a bumbling idiot? Ever, ever noticed that? Like for the last 20, 30 years, every dad on TV, except maybe one or two, absolute moron, can't, can't do anything, has to depend on mom. Like if mom wasn't there, the whole house would fall apart. He couldn't feed, they'd all starve to death. Like dad can't do anything. That is the message Our society is trying to push. More than 60% of the country's young men are now single. And yet, we push sexual promiscuity in every form of media. They're bombarded with it all the time. Every 13.7 minutes, I read this the other day, somewhere in the United States, a man takes his own life. Isn't that sad? Every 13.7 minutes. But let's tell men that we don't need them anymore. There's no role for you as a man. Women can do everything men can do. In fact, women can probably do it better. We don't need you anymore. In fact, guys, just stay at home in mom's basement, play video games. Just check out a society, because there's, no, there's not a place for you anymore. Modern feminism is more focused on bashing men than empowering women. And we have been left with a hookup culture that offers young men the cheap thrill of pleasure without commitment. No incentive to leave the immature self-gratification of boyhood to really become a man. I mean, why become a man? I mean, who would want to become a man? Men are not praised. Men are not respected. Manhood is called toxic. Our values and interests are mocked and demonized. Don't be so competitive, they say. Don't be so ambitious. Don't be so aggressive. Don't be so masculine what the world says is if you're a man, if you want to be a really good man, be more feminine. That's what we're told. I don't believe that's the answer. I believe we need godly men. That's not encouraging the young men and I believe that's why we have a mental health crisis with young men in our country. Now, in preparing for this message, you know, I knew I was going to talk about masculinity and manhood and being a father and things like that and The easy route to go, and we've all heard the message before, is to really just jump up and down on men. You need to be a better guy, a better husband, a better father. You piece of junk, you need to rise up, come on. But the Lord wouldn't let me teach that today. The Lord just wouldn't let me deliver that message. The message that I have for you today, if you're a man, is we need you. You matter. That's the message. I'm not here to, to beat your brains in and tell you, you know, how bad of a husband you are. God knows as a husband, as a father, fo- we, we can all do better. Amen. But while society is telling us that men don't matter, that masculinity is toxic, don't be, don't exemplify the traits, the traditional traits of masculinity. I believe, as the church, what we need to be telling men is you matter. We need you. We need you to get in the game. We need you to rise up. We need you to fulfill the potential that God has in you because you matter. Our country needs men to be men again. Our kids need us to be fathers. Our, our wives need us to step up. And I believe we need to reject the stereotype and embrace the prototype. Embrace being a godly man after the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the perfect man. And if Jesus was a man, then being a man must be okay. must not be wrong to be a man, to be manly, to be masculine. If Jesus was a man, he modeled what it meant to be a man. And if you're a woman here today, I don't want you to tune out. I'm gonna share some some helpful tips at the end of the message today for you about maybe there's a man in your life, a son, a brother, a husband, somebody that that, man, you want to encourage, you want to support. And I'm going to give you some practical steps on how to do that as well. You know, the Bible is interesting enough. The Bible doesn't really give us a countercultural definition of manhood. I've studied this many times. And when you go in the scriptures and you start kind of looking for what does the Bible teach a man should act like, there's a few things, and the Bible really delves into the roles of men. It talks about how to be a good father. It talks about how to be a good husband. But when it comes to just masculinity, being a man, you know what the Bible says? It says act like a man. It says act like a man. It doesn't give you a whole lot of detail about it. It just says act like a man. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to read verse 13 and 14. Paul says here, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. This is so key, verse 14. It's easy to miss to jump over this. And I'm gonna gonna show you this. I want you to highlight this, underline this, make a note of this. I'm gonna show you today, I'm gonna prove to you today the key to being a godly man. It's all about love. He says, let all that you do be done in love. You want to be a manly man, a masculine man, a man's man. You really want to man up, learn how to love like Jesus loved. It'll pull out of you the masculine traits that God has deposited in you, but in a way that honors God and blesses others. 1 Kings chapter 2, we see King David talking to his son. It says, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. And what does he say? Show yourself a man. There was a time that just being a man was a thing of honor. You didn't have to be the king, the greatest warrior. Just being a man, just being accepted among other men as a real mature man, it meant something. There were traditions, there were things boys went to to turn from adolescence into manhood. And it mattered, it meant something. He says, show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. See, the Bible doesn't go into great detail defining masculinity. Instead, it assumes, God assumes we are smart enough to figure out the fact that God made us male and female and we each have a role to play. He gives us some definition about those roles, but God just kind of assumes we're smart enough to understand what being a man is all about. It charges us to step into our roles and responsibilities as a man. But God gives us enough credit to know that dudes like sports. <laughs> Not that complex. And where society wants to argue with all these things, no, men should cry and men should be sensitive and men should, you know, it's like, no, dudes like sports. We like to arm wrestle. We like to eat lots of meat. Like, yeah, We like that stuff. That's normal, and there's nothing wrong with that. Here at Freedom House Church, we want our men to be men. Can I get an amen to that? We don't want a bunch of effeminate men. We want manly men that do men's stuff. We like to shoot stuff, blow stuff up. It's okay. It's what being a man is all about. That's part of the deal. We have a lot of responsibility as men. And you know what? Sometimes we need to cut loose, have a little fun, do some manly stuff. That means that traditional norms around masculinity, the things we kind of grew up with, the John Wayne, all that stuff, that's not all bad. We don't need to just throw all that out. We need to model it after Jesus. But some of those masculine traits, they're, they're healthy. They're helpful when they're based on God's original design and they're not taken to an extreme. So what's some examples of that? Number one, men should be capable of violence. We should be capable of violence. We shouldn't be violent. That's an extreme. But men should be capable of violence. Men need to know how to fight. And dads, you need to teach your sons how to fight. Amen. That's right. room full of women and they're very quiet because moms don't like it. They're like, don't teach him how to fight. We're gonna teach him how to fight. Mama, we gotta teach, we gotta teach Junior how to fight. Listen, if, if you're not roughhousing with your son, you're missing out on something, and so was he. When my son was younger, I gotta be careful now because he hurt me, but when he, when he was younger, man, we would fight, we would wrestle, and listen, my wife would get concerned. I mean, she'd be like, you're gonna hurt him, and I'm like, okay, number one, he started it. And number two, he keeps coming back for more. So I'm not hurting the boy. Like, this is not abuse. I'm not beating him up. No, we're wrestling. We're horse playing. And that's how a young man learns how to control his body, how to wrestle, how to fight without really hurting somebody, without going too far. Because dad teaches son how to wrestle, how to fight, how to horse play. That is normal and natural. Dads need to do that. And as husbands and fathers, we need to be dangerous men. Because God has called us to protect. We don't need to be violent. We don't need to be harsh. We don't need to be angry. We need to be peace lovers, peacemakers. We need to be gentle. But we need to have the capability to defend the defenseless. That's part of being a man. Men should be competitive as long as they are honorable. There's nothing wrong with a competitive spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't like competition, you're in the wrong church. Pastor Troy competes on everything, everything. I'm not a very good golfer, and I remember years ago, I'm playing out of my mind. And it's me and this other gentleman that goes to the church against Pastor Troy and this other pastor. And we go to make the turn to go to the 10th hole, and Pastor Troy starts talking junk. Like, he's trying to get in my head. He's like, this is when Olin falls apart. He's looking at that scorecard. He's playing way too good. You know, and I'm like, are you getting in my head right now like my pastor is talking junk to me? But Pastor Troy is competitive. Guys are wired to be competitive. Why? Because competitive competitiveness when it's done with honor breeds competence. It makes men good at stuff, and we need to be good at stuff. Men should be confident as long as they stay humble. Jesus was confident. I love that episode of The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have seen this one where they're gonna push him off the cliff when he's in his hometown. They take him out there and they're gonna push Jesus off the cliff. And I love Jesus' response. He just turns and he's like, Not happening. <laughs> nope. I mean, he just smiles and he just kind of walks back through them and they're like, uh, They don't know what to say. He's God. I mean, they can't, you know, he's just like, Not today. He was confident in who God had called him to be. And as men, we don't need to be arrogant, we don't need to be prideful, but we need to be confident. Confident in who God has called us to be. Men need to be tough. We need to be tough. We need to be able to handle the the rigors of life. There's nothing wrong as a man of being vulnerable, of sharing things with your wife. But listen, as a man, if every day you come home from work and you're like, my boss was mean to me, I wouldn't want to be married to you. I mean, I don't think that's the kind of man women are looking for, right? We need to be tough. Doesn't mean we never cried. Doesn't mean we never, you know, but men are, are called to be tough. Tough, but not insensitive, not harsh. We need to be able to tap into that sensitive side, that vulnerable side, but we need to be tough as men. Godly masculinity, I believe you'll see, is all about maturity. It's about leaving the boyhood behind and becoming a man. Boys are destructive. Men are productive. Boys break stuff. My sons break stuff all the time. I mean like boys just tear stuff up and they should. That's part of are curious. They're playing. They're having a good time. But men have to produce. We have to fix. We have to be Productive. It's the same impulses, but a godly man knows how to use his masculinity to do three things. And these are the three things. If you want to write these down, this is what we're going to talk about today. A godly man knows how to use his masculinity, those masculine traits, being tough, being competitive, being aggressive and assertive. He knows how to use that in order to protect, to provide, and to preside. Men protect, we provide and we preside. Now I'm gonna start with the last one today. Godly men preside. To preside means to be in charge of something. If you have somebody that's presiding over a you know a you know an event or something like that, they're in charge, they're making sure everything is happening, and God designed men to be in charge of stuff. When you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it God brought the animals to the man he said you name them he gave us authority he gave us a job to do and men need a job we need a responsibility if you're a man today and you don't take responsibility something's gonna be missing and I want to encourage you today as a man God wired you for it you're a leader you might say no not me I'm not a leader I've never led anybody well you can start with yourself The most important person to lead is to lead yourself, and you all have influence. Maybe you're a dad, and you're like, hey, I just started a new job, and I'm not the boss, but your kids are looking up to you. Somebody needs you to lead. We live in a culture that views work as a necessary evil, but God created us to work and work is holy and sacred. We find meaning and purpose in our work and presiding over something, taking responsibility. Now, people often mistake this as being the boss, telling everyone what to do. Oh, this is another one of those men or the, the leader, and man should be the boss thing. No. Leadership and responsibility doesn't mean you're always gonna be the boss. And it certainly doesn't mean you're going to be a bully. It's not about that. It's about serving others. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called them over and said, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. He says, you're going to be different. You're gonna lead differently. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. If you're a man and you're using scripture to subjugate your wife, that's not serving. It's not what we're called to do. We're called to lead and we're called to serve. Now the Bible says we're to serve like Jesus and so the question for you Guys, today, what are you responsible for? Who do you lead? The most important person to lead, I've already said it, is yourself. So start there. Are you leading yourself? You can. You can. You can be better. You can be more disciplined. You can work on your habits, the things in your life. And then serve. Serve with everything you have. Don't focus on the what. Focus on the who. One reason that men don't serve a lot in church is because men are really attracted to the what. We like things, we like position, we have a little ego. And so we don't want to start at the bottom, no, we like to be at the top. And if I can't serve God in a way that everybody can see how awesome I am, I'll just come and do my thing and go home. But let me encourage you as men, when you're faithful over what God has put in your hands, he will give you more. He will give you more. Let me promise you, I didn't start out serving God preaching on Sunday mornings. I've worked in the nursery, I've worked in the kids' church, I've worked with youth, I've worked with young adults, I've worked in the parking lot, I've been an usher. Pretty much anything and everything in a church you can do, yes, I've even sang, even though I can't sing. i ran sound, even though I don't know how to do that either. And just believe God. (laughs) Like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But can you help? My answer was yes. And if your answer is yes and you're faithful, God will promote you. God will give you more responsibility. It's okay to clap for that. Amen. And women are attracted to that, let me tell you. Men that are passionate about Jesus. We have babies, I'm just saying. We get married, we have babies, we have a good time. The most important place for us to lead is inside our own homes. Husbands and fathers need to preside. Not abdicate that responsibility to our wives. What does that look like practically? Number one, pursue God first and then bring your family with you. If, if you don't get anything else, men, out of what I'm saying today, get this. I've talked to men so many times. I've been in all the men's meetings and we have great strong events and guys will talk. And this is something that comes up a lot. It's like, I wanna lead my kids. I wanna pray with my kids, but I, I'm not really spiritual or I don't know how to do it. Listen, don't look for a formula or a qualification. Your family will follow you as you chase after God if you're passionate about God in your heart. Well, I don't don't know all the scripture. It doesn't matter. What your kids need to see, what they need to just sense in you is that you love Jesus, that it's real for you, that you mess up. My kids, God knows, they could tell you stories. Like, my dad's crazy sometimes, you know? But but my kids know I'm serious about this, that I love God, I love the house of God. My kids know that, they catch me reading my Bible. I don't have to tell them, hey, let's go and read. No, they catch me, they see me here, they know, and there's many dads in here that are the same way, and that's what your kids need to see. They need to feel your passion. It's not about having a set routine. You need to have a routine. I'm not saying don't. But it starts with the heart. Our family, our kids need to sense that fire, that passion in us. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what, I'm just not that fired up about God. I wish I was. That's great. That's where you need to start is be honest. When you read the Bible, men and women of God, they were just honest with God. They just said, God, I'm afraid. God, I don't wanna go. God, I don't wanna do what you're telling me to do, but help me. And if you're a man in here today and you say, man, I want to lead my family. I want to be a better husband, a better father. We all do. Listen, start with honesty. Go to God and say, God, I'm not fired up about you. I'm all wrapped up in my work right now or my hobbies right now or whatever it is, but God, I want it. I want to change. I want to be fired up. The way you become a manly man, a godly man, a powerful man in the kingdom of God is by praying dangerous prayers. By going to God and saying, God, take away my desire for the football and replace it with your word. Make me hunger and thirst after you, God. And when you start praying prayers like that, I promise you, stuff in your heart will change. God will add the other stuff. I'm going to just tell you, as a, a godly man, you'll have way more fun. You'll get to do all the stuff. But man, when God has your heart, you can really lead your family. You should bring discipline Part of presiding is being the disciplinarian in your home. That doesn't mean you have to do all the discipline, but this is what it does mean. Don't make mom the bad guy. There's a lot of families where mom has to do all the discipline and dad is fun dad. It's okay to be fun dad sometimes, but you gotta help. You gotta, you gotta bring the discipline. You gotta lead in that area in your home. And lastly, you gotta model what it means to be Christ-like in your home. You gotta model the fruit of the Spirit. You gotta be the example for your kids can't be a rage monster. You can't be given over to all your emotions. No, you got to exhibit a Christ-like behavior in your home. All right, the second thing. Godly men provide. Everybody say godly men pr- provide. They provide. That's what godly men do. First Timothy chapter five verse eight. It says, "But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." I didn't say that. <laughs> like I just read the Bible. That's tough, right? But God has called us as men to provide, to be a provider. That's part of what's in it. So what is the trait God has given us? It's that competitiveness. God has made us competitive. Why? So we'll become competent. Why? Not so we can be better than everybody. When I was in the business world, man, you better believe I looked at the list every month and my, my name better be towards the top. If I wasn't top one, two, or three at my company, like, I I get fired up, man. Like, we got to go. Like, let's go. I'm working till midnight. Like, we got to get this done. I'm going to win. But it wasn't about beating everyone else. And God didn't wire men that way to be some egomaniac. I'm the best at this. I'm the best. No, it's to make us competent so we can provide. Our families need us to be good at something. And men, can I just tell you, you need to be good at something. Men are never at peace if they stink at everything, if they don't have anything they're good at. A hobby, a job, church, serving, something. You gotta have something. You know, you're confident, like, I'm good at that. That's just part of being a guy. We need to be good at something. So God made us competitive so we can provide. And let me tell you, one thing that I do, and this drives me nuts in the culture that we're in. This has been going around 20, 30 years. But it's this whole thing about the family is one, and it's like, it's our money, and it's, you know, the kids go in the fridge, and it's my fridge and my food, my room. Get out of my room. It's my room, Dad. No. Let me tell you something. In my house, you don't pay any bills. You live in my room. That room is mine. All the clothes in your closet, mine. When you're eating the food, mine. You're eating my food. I allow you to eat. <laughs> You eat, you exist by my good pleasure, okay? And, and what I do, I remind my kids all the time. And what I'll do is I will take their food. And so my daughter has these chips she likes, these jalapeno, what is it, jalapeno something. And she loves these chips. And I will come and I will just take the chips. I'll take one if I don't even want one. I just take it and just eat it right in her face. And she gets so mad. She's like, daddy, that's my chip. And I'm like, uh-uh, that's my chip. You can buy them chips. And I do it, and I like to mess with them. And the reason is because of this. I want them to see me as a provider. I want them to know. And I'll eat their food, but they know if I eat all the food, I'll buy them more. I'm going to provide. I'm like, have you ever not had chips? Well, no. I'm like, then what you mad about? <laughs> you got an extra bag in the cabinet right now. And people just get selfish. Like, don't eat my chip, Right? But I'm like, I want them to know and I want them to see that I'm a provider. Why? Because then it's easier for my family to trust the father that he's a provider. If our fathers are good providers, and that doesn't mean buying them everything they want. The opposite, actually. A lot of times you got to help them learn how to do that kind of thing. But, but if I'm a good provider, man, it models that, the heart of the father, that he is a provider For us, what does that look like practically for godly men? Number one, don't spend more than you make. All right. In case you don't speak English, don't. I don't know. I would say it in Spanish. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how to say it in Spanish, but yeah, there, there you go, there you go. But you know what? I've done mortgages. Before I worked at the church, I did more than 20-something years. I looked at people's finances every day. Can I just tell you? Simplest thing in the world, almost no one follows it. Everybody spends more than they make. And they run up credit card debt. They run up bills. And then they're in bondage because the Bible tells you that the borrower is a slave. You're a slave to the lender. So I was having lunch the other day. This guy at our South End campus, he's an amazing guy, amazing, amazingly successful business leader, And we were talking about all the craziness in our culture right now. And I said, what's your advice to business leaders and business people about this? You know, like, how do you stand your ground? And he said, well, the first thing, don't get in debt. And he says, because if you're in debt up to your nose and your company says, hey, you gotta use your pronouns or do whatever craziness they're doing, you can't say no because you got bills to pay. You're under pressure. He said, where where if you go out, and you buy an older car, less of a home than you could technically squeeze in there, and you've got some margin, he said, now you can stand up and say, I don't need this job. Like, I'm not gonna cross my moral line, my boundaries. You're not gonna pressure me because I got some money in the bank, and I can go a month or two without a paycheck. But if we're paycheck to paycheck, no margin... This is so simple, guys. Listen, I know some guys are like, I'm not financial wizard. I don't do you know, quick Quicken and Excel and I don't know how to manage my budget real well. It's really very simple. Create margin and then do two things before you spend your money. Save and give. Give first. If you give to God first and then you save before you spend, it really doesn't matter that much. It matters, but it doesn't matter as much what you do with the rest of the money if you always give and you always save. If you always give and you always save, one day you're gonna be in a good position. You're gonna be in a good position. And can I just tell you, God will bless that. He will bless you being a good steward. The second thing is prioritize your provision. As men, it's important to provide financially for your family, but that's not all your family needs you to provide. We have to prioritize the things we provide, safety, security, emotional support for our family, spiritual leadership for our family, fun. Your kids need to just know you love them and have a good time with them. And if you're not sure where your family's at right now, ask them. They'll tell you. A lot of times as men, we don't ask because we don't want to know. I just want to go play golf and, you know, bury my head in work and do the things I'm focused on. And I don't want to know my wife is hurting and needs more time. She needs me to listen. She needs me to be there. That's where I mess up because I get so, I'm a little bit of a workaholic and my wife has to tell me sometimes, I need you, I need you. And as men, we have to provide not just money, but we have to provide all those other things as well. The last thing, show leadership in your family finances. That doesn't mean you have to run everything. For some of us, our wife might be better at balancing the checkbook or paying the bills than we are, but here's what it means. Don't leave that to her and just abandon her in that. Go to her and take part in it. Do it as a team. With me and my wife, I do part of it. She does part of it. I'm good with money, and so, you know, I like doing spreadsheets and stuff. That's kind of how I'm wired, but everybody's not wired that way, and that's okay. Here's the thing, don't dump it on your wife. That's not being a good leader. It's not providing. All right, last one. Godly men protect. Everybody say, godly men. men. Protect. Protect. We're called to protect, God wired us to be aggressive and assertive. It doesn't mean that we all have to be UFC fighters. Doesn't mean that. But it means that we do have to protect our family. We do have to to step into that role. And God did not call us to be that way. He didn't wire us to be that way to make us bullies. He made us that way for us to be protectors. Colossians chapter three, verse 18, it says, Wives, Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. See, as men, we can take that to either extreme. Either we can totally check out and not protect, or we can be harsh and we can be a tyrant in our own home. But we see in Jesus that headship is sacrificial. He was our example. What did he do? We're called the bride of Christ. What did Jesus do? He stepped in front of his bride. He said, I'll take the punishment. I'll be on the cross. I'll pay for your sins. Why? Because I love you. Jesus protected us. Our physical strength and temperament are meant to make us protectors of of women and children, of the innocent, the defenseless, protectors of what is right. And it requires physical strength. But way more than that, it requires character. Character. It requires courage in a day and age where most of us aren't gonna go out and physically fight, but we have to fight back against the darkness that's in the world all around us. And our wives need us to stand up and to pay attention, to pay attention to the dangers that are all around us all the time. When those early verses we read today in 1 Corinthians, when it said, act like a man, this is what it meant. For men to be aggressive and assertive, to protect their families in the church. What does this look like practically? Number one, protect your family in prayer. We got a lot of praying moms and grandmoms. We've all heard that before, right? Oh, it's good to have praying grandma. Praying grandma will move mountains, you know, but we need some praying dads. We need some men that'll stand up and pray for their family. And can I just tell you, men, I pray for my kids, I pray for my wife, I pray for their safety, I pray that God will bless them, that give them favor. I mean, I just pray all these things. But you know the big thing I pray for my kids? I pray for me. I pray, God, make me a good dad. God, straighten me out where I'm not leading them well. God, make me and Tammy good parents so my kids can grow up in a godly household. God, help me be a godly father. Because a lot of times as kids grow up, especially when they get in their teen years, we can't always control them, but we can control us. We can lead them, we can model for them, but we need the Holy Spirit to show us because let me tell you, it ain't easy being a parent, amen? But as dads, you can do it. You can step into that authority and the the first thing you do to protect your family is pray. Get on your knees, go to God and say, God, make me a, a protector. God, show me, what are my kids getting into? Where are the dangers, the minefields out there in the public school system with their friends? You need to protect them. The second thing is protect your family physically. I keep my wife and kids out of dangerous situations. I I very rarely need to physically defend my family. That doesn't happen for most of us every day. But one thing that does happen is our wife, our kids are traveling, they're going places. I don't allow my wife and my daughter by themselves, they don't go up here to Concord Mills Mall because I don't know if you know this, it's a hub for trafficking. People are abducted. Young kids are abducted. It's a dangerous place. I make sure they have me with them or they're in a group or something like that. There's things like that that as a man, we need to be alert. We need to, we need to protect our family. That's my responsibility as a dad. I take that very, respo- that very seriously. I know who my kids are gonna hang out with. I know who they're gonna be around. And sometimes your kids will get mad at you. But dad, you know, Like, tough. I love you enough that I can live with my kids being mad at me for a couple days to keep them safe. Amen? The last one is protect your family from the nonsense of the world. Access to media, pornography, the educational system. Listen, it's not enough to just throw Wi-Fi up in your house, give your kids a cell phone, and say, hey, good luck. Don't look at bad stuff there, little Johnny. That's a recipe for disaster, you need to set up a firewall in your house. You need to block, you need to have parental blocks on what comes in and out of your house with the internet. You need to watch, you can't just turn Disney on anymore. It's sad to say. As parents, we used to just could, you know, put a Disney movie on and like you knew it was kind of okay and now you can't do that anymore. You have to know what they're watching. You have to know where they're, they're spending their time. There's great apps out there like Covenant Eyes that you can pay a few bucks a month and they'll put it on their phone and it will send you an alert if they look at something they shouldn't look at. But we have to know, we have to protect our kids. That's our job as men. Listen, God wants us to man up, to take responsibility. But my encourage to you today, men, is that you can do it. This isn't for somebody else. This isn't for the super spiritual dad. This isn't for the macho man. No, this is for every father, every man in this place. You can do it. God has entrusted you. God has empowered you to be a mature, masculine man, to protect, to provide, to preside. You have everything you need inside of you if you're a believer. The Holy Spirit will equip you and I'm telling you, we need you. Your wives need you. Our children need you. Our country, we need men to be men again. We need you. I told you in the beginning, it all boils down to love. How does that work? Because if I love my family passionately, I'll preside. I'll take the bullet and say no to something my kids really wanna do because I know it's harmful to them. I'll step into that, because I love my kids. I love my wife. I'll provide, I'll work hard. I'll do without so that I can put money aside. I can provide for them. Why? Because I love them. I'll protect. Why? Because I'm passionate. Jesus came and everything he did to model, to be the prototype for us, it was based out of love. You want to be the manliest man on the planet? It's not Chuck Norris. It's not, you know, some fighter out there. It's Jesus because he loved fiercely he loved us so passionately that he was willing to sacrifice everything up to his own life. Why? To provide for you and me. That is the type of man we need. That's the type of man you can be. It's inside of you. I want to pray for you, but before I end, I promised I would share a little encouragement for the ladies today. And I think this is so important. It's two words. It's really the same word. Reconcile. Reconcile, but don't reconcile. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the financial world, there's this term reconcile. If you ever balance your checkbook, that's what you do. You reconcile all the things. So we take everything and we match it up until it's perfect. Perfect. Every penny, right? If you reconcile your accounts, you make sure everything is perfect. And too often, I think as women, what happens is we try to reconcile our husbands to some standard they can never meet up to. We want them to be perfect. We want them to be something that they just can't be. But what we need to do is what Jesus Jesus came to reconcile us, and the Bible says that he then gives us the ministry of reconciliation. See, reconciliation in an accounting term means perfection. Reconciliation in a relational sense means even though you're not perfect, we're gonna be together. We're gonna be united. And let me tell you, what your man needs to hear from you is he doesn't need you to remind him of the man he's not. He's not. He needs you to prophesy about the man he can be. He needs you to speak positively into his life. And it's easy to do. It's easy to complain. It's easy to get down on the men in our life. But what they need to hear is my husband is a man of God. My husband loves my kids. My husband loves Jesus. My husband, man, he's passionate after God. My husband is a provider. My husband is a protector. And let me tell you when you begin to speak those words and he hears that, man, it will light a fire in his belly. Your husband will rise up, your brother, your kids, your son. Those when men hear that, let me tell you when somebody says something good about me, the first thing my brain goes Am I really like that? And then I think, man, I don't want to let him down. I got to live up to that now. Somebody says, oh, you know, he's good at this. Oh, man, I got to be that now. I got to step into my role. And as you prophesy, you speak God's word into your husband's life. Let me tell you, brag on him to other women. Brag on him to other people. And he'll fulfill the words that you speak. God will call that up in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, God, I just thank you for some masculine men, not not, not weak men, not, not fearful men, but God, I thank you. This is a room full of masculine men, men that are mature, men that love you. God, we just thank you right now, God, for raising up fathers, raising up husbands, raising up sons. God, that'll that'll make us proud. God, that'll make you proud. So God, we just thank you right now for your anointing in this place. God, let every man here today leave encouraged. Leave with a fresh fire in his belly, God, to know that he can do it. That he can be a man. He can live a life. that He can be proud of. To know that the Holy Spirit can use him. God, we thank you for it today. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand to your feet for just a moment. I'm asking you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today, we never end a service without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online, you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you're in this room and you think, "Man, I believe, but I don't know why I'm going to heaven. I don't know why I have that relationship with God." Listen, that can change today, right now. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved, that God will change you. He'll, he'll do something inside of you. And if that's you today, you've never made that profession of faith. You've never declared Jesus is my Lord. And I want to ask you right now just to lift your hand up. We're just going to say a simple prayer of faith. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just lift your hand up right now. Amen. See that hand? Anyone else? If you're online, we have a team that will chat and we'll pray with you. There's a little button you can click just to let us know because we love you and we want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. But let's pray this all together. Everyone, church, just join together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. He's the prototype. I know he died for me and now I want to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord. Make me new. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.